Welcome to Basic to Bougie, the podcast, a totally new experience, one you're sure to love. We've taken our passion of business, finance, relationships, hot topics, and more, and collided them as a sisterhood into what we now call womenhood. Join your host, Melissa Martin, the success coach, and now an author, a certified NLP life, business, and financial coach, hypnotherapy expert, and one bed mama jamma businesswoman on this wild ride as we detour through life, showing you how to take the basics and turn them into what we call the bougie. Let's dive on in. Welcome, welcome. Hey guys, it's Melissa. Super excited to be here with you today. It is Monday fun day. I am hoping we can make it a Monday fun day. I know it's usually a Sunday fun day, but you know, perspective. I wanted to stay on task with where we left off. So I want to jump in today with monoculture and a few other things because monoculture is really, really paramount in where we get our core decisions and core basis from and how we think, act, and speak. And so we can focus on that for like a brief period of time to get the fundamentals of this. I think that as a society and as a listener, you might learn just a few things about the way you think, act, and speak. So let's just dive on in. Every generation has a monoculture of sorts. It's a governing pattern pattern or a system of beliefs that people unconsciously accept as the truth. And it's clear what people in these times and those places accepted to be good and true, even when in reality, there was a certain a certainty as not as always in the case. And the objectivity required to see the effects of the present monoculture is very difficult to develop. And once you have so deeply accepted an idea as truth, it doesn't register as a culture or a subjective anymore. So much of our inner turmoil is the result of conducting a life we don't inherently desire, only because we have accepted an inner narrative of normal or ideal without even realizing. The fundamentals of any given monoculture tend to surround what we should be living for, our religion ourself, our family, and living are a number of ways in which our current system has us shooting ourselves in the feet as we try to step forward. I want to give you eight of the most persuasive that we have. You believe that creating your best life is a matter of deciding what you want and then going after it, but but the reality is you're psychologically incapable of being able to predict what will make you happy. You know, your brain can only perceive what it's known. So when you choose what you want for the future, you're actually just recreating a solution or an idea of the past. When things don't work out the way you want them to, you think you failed only because you didn't recreate something you perceived as desirable. And in reality, you're likely created something better because it's foreign. And your brain misinterpreted as bad because of that. You know, the moral of that is living in the moment isn't as lofty, ideal, reserved for the Zen and the enlightened. It's the only way to live that isn't infiltrated with illusion. It's the only thing your brain can actually comprehend. Two. 
the present moment you believe that success is somewhere you arrive. So you constantly are trying to take a snapshot of your life and see if you can be happy yet. Yet. You convince yourself that any given moment is represented of your life as a whole because you're wired to believe that success is somewhere we get to. When goals are accomplished and things are are complicated or completed, we consistently measure and are presented moments of how finished they are, how good the story sounds, how someone else would judge the elevator speech. We find ourselves thinking, is this all there is? Because we forget that everything is transitory and no single instance can summarize the whole. There is nowhere to arrive. The only thing you're rushing towards is the death. Accomplishing goals is not success. How much you expand is the process is. Three, you assume that when it comes to following your gut instinct, happiness is good and fear and the pain are bad. When you consider doing something that you truly love and are invested in, you are going to feel an influx of fear and pain, mostly because it will involve being vulnerable. Bad feelings should not always be interpreted as deterrence. They are also indicators that you are doing something frightening and worthwhile. Not wanting to do something would make you feel indifferent about it. Fear equals interest. Four. You needlessly create problems. Sorry, I just dropped my notebook everywhere. You needlessly create problems and crisis in your life because you're afraid of actually living it. The pattern of unnecessarily creating crisis in your life is actually an avoidance of techniques. It distracts you from actually having to be vulnerable or held accountable for whatever it is you're afraid of. You're never upset for the reason you think you are. At the core of your desire to create a problem is simply the fear of being who you are and living the life you want. Five, you think that to change your beliefs, you have to adopt a new line of thinking rather than seek experiences that make that thinking self-evident. A belief is what you know to be true because experiences has made it evident to you. If you want to change your life, change your beliefs. If you want to change your beliefs, go out and have experiences that make them real to you, not the opposite way around. Six, if you think problems are roadblocks to achieving what you want, when in reality, they are the pathways. The impediment to action advances action. What stands in the way becomes the way. Simply running into a problem forces you to take action to resolve it. The action will inevitably lead you to think differently, behave differently, and choose differently because the problem becomes the catalyst for you to actualize the life you always wanted. It pushes you from your comfort zone. That's all. Seven, you think your past defines you and worse You think that it's an unchangeable reality when really your perception of it changes as you do because experiences are always multidimensional. There are a variety of memories, experiences, feelings, and just you can choose to recall. And what you choose is an indicative of your present state of mind. 
So many people get caught up in the allowing the past to define them or the haunt them simply because they have not evolved to the pace of seeing how the past did not prevent them from achieving the life they wanted. It facilitated it. This doesn't mean to disregard or gloss over the painful or traumatic events, but simply to be able to recall them with the acceptance and to be able to place them in the storyline of your personal evolution. Eight, you try to change other people's situations and things, or you just complain and get upset about them. When anger equals self-recognition, most negative emotional reactions are you identifying or disassociating aspect of yourself. Your shadow selves are the parts of you that at some point you were conditioned to believe were not okay. So you suppress them and have done everything in your power not to acknowledge them. You don't actually dislike these parts of yourself though. So when you see somebody else displaying one of these traits, it's infuriating. Not because you inherently dislike it, but because you have to fight your desire to fully integrate it into your whole conscientiousness. The things you love about others are the things you love about yourself. The things you hate about others are the things you cannot see in yourself. It is a pattern. It is something that unless we willingly, wholeheartedly want to understand and change, we just simply will not. And with that, I want to talk about how the people we once loved become strangers again. Because I think when you merge the two, there's a common theme. And it's interesting to think about how we make people who used to be everything into nothing again and how we learn to forget. How we force forgetting and what we put in place of them in the interim. The dynamics afterwards always tell you more than what the relationship did. Grief is a faster teacher than joy. Let me repeat that. Grief is a faster teacher than joy. But what does this mean when you cycle out to being strangers again? You never really stop knowing each other in that way. Maybe there's no choice but to make them someone different in your mind. Not the person you knew your daily world revolved around or who knew your anxieties and what you looked like in all forms and what made you cry and how much you love them. But when our lives revolve around someone, they don't just stop doing so, even if all that's left is some semblance of their memory. There are always those bits that linger. The memories that are impressed on the places you went and the things you said and the songs you listened to, they all remain. And we all eventually find ourselves standing in the checkout line hearing one of those songs come on and realizing that we are revolving around them again. And maybe we never stopped. Do you ever really forget someone's birthday that you once loved or cared about? Or all the first times, intimate or not? Do your anniversaries ever really become normal? Do they ever really end the days on the calendar? Are the things you did and promise you made ever really neutralized? Do they become void now that you're broken up? 
Or do you decidedly ignore them because there's simply no other choice? The mind tells you to go on and forces your heart to follow suit, I guess. But I want to believe that you either love someone in some way forever or you never really love them at all. Because that's, because once two reactive chemicals cross, both are changed. That the wounds we leave in people are sometimes too raw to risk falling back into them. I want to believe that we we write each other off because we simply don't matter anymore. I know love isn't just expendable. I wonder and maybe hope if we ever just force it out to be because of necessity. Maybe it's just that we're all at the centers of our own lives and universes and sometimes they overlap with other people and that small bits of intersections leave some part of it changed. But the but the collision can wreck us. It can change us. It can shift us and sometimes merge us into one. And other times we rescind because the comfort of losing what we thought we knew wins out. Either way, it's inevitable that you expand, that you're left knowing that much more about love and what it can do and the pain that only a hole in your heart and a space in your bed and the emptiness in the next chair can bring. Whether or not that hole will ever include the person who made it that way, I don't know. Whether or not anybody else can match the outline of someone who was so deeply impressed in you, I don't know that either. Someone who once knew the outline of your entire life I don't know that either, but we all start out as strangers and the choices we make in terms of love are usually ones that seem inevitable anyway. And we find people are rationally compelling. We find souls made of the same stuff that ours are. We find classmates and partners and neighbors and friends and family and cousins and sisters and so on in our lives. And we intersect in a way that makes us feel like we couldn't have ever been separate. And this is lovely. This is all fabulous. But the ease and access isn't what we crave. It isn't what I'm telling you about right now. It isn't what we revolve around after it's gone. We are all just waiting for another universe to collide with ours, to change what we cannot change ourselves. It's interesting how we realize the storm returns to calm But we see the stars differently now, and we don't know, and we can't choose whose wreckage can do that for us. We all start as strangers. We forget that we rarely choose who ends up a stranger to us. You know, it's interesting to me. We talk about twin flames. We talk about the people who we love. You know, I believe in life that we all have a few great loves of our life. One to teach us. One that we're going to love really hard. One that's going to break our hearts into a million pieces. And then there's that one. We have to decide where each of those fall, right? Because the teenage us, the 20-year us, the 30-year us, the 40 us, the 50 year us, we all change 
And if you're not with the right person, it's never going to work. And everything I just said is inevitable. But if you're with the right person, then sometimes one love is just enough. And it can be everything and all the things in one. But in order to have that, we have to do the work. We have to do the work. You know, it's interesting to me that if you truly dedicate, truly dedicate personal growth to yourself, what you see, when you truly step out of all of the noise and you step into your own light and you figure out what it is that you want, better yet what you don't want, the feelings and the validity that just start to make sense. The clouds open, the sun's shining, your heart starts to feel that life again. You know, I didn't just wake up one day and think that I was gonna know everything. I'm still learning every day too. I still have the same pains and the same struggles that all of you have just at a different caliber. And so when I open up my heart and I, and I do these podcasts, mostly everyone is taken from a singular class or a singular notion that I did with a client or a group. And I love to bring it on my podcast because I feel like you gain so much from these. This one speaks a little personal to me. And so with that, I'm going to end today. And I want to say this to you. I want you to look around. You know, it's so difficult to find things in life that we're happy about. It's so difficult to find things that excite us anymore. You know, I hear that a lot. And to that I say, let's find the things that we can look around and we can become happy about, that we can become grateful for. Because if we run around thinking that there's nothing to be happy about and there's nothing to be grateful for and there's all the things that are wrong, we're never going to find the silver lining. We're never going to put our head above the clouds. We're never going to be able to open our hearts to what is truly there. So I challenge you to do that today. For Basic to Bougie, I'm Melissa. Have a beautiful day. There's so many ways women unconsciously settle in life, unknowingly declining the abundance available because of their beliefs. There's so many ways that women say no to their deepest desires because they don't understand how fear and limitations show up in their body. Too many women are saying no to themselves and it impacts all of us. I'm here to change this. I've helped thousands of women say yes to more, leaning in and allowing a life that once felt impossible. If you need one-on-one coaching or would like to join us on one of our retreats, please visit our website at www.basictobougiethepodcast.com.